Joe, it was a week ago today I saw the news on the Kurt Schilling thing. It's saying on his podcast that Tim Wakefield had brain cancer. And we we talked about this last week. I told you my friend's father got diagnosed and he died a few days later. Did you have that feeling in your head like this isn't going to be long? Because I did. I honestly wasn't even thinking in the moment, but as soon as it happened, yeah, it was like, oh, of course. Of course yeah. you hear it and within days. Yeah, that's brain cancer is probably the worst thing you could have that or blood cancer i think is maybe worse yeah and his wife has pancreatic cancer which is another really bad one now i kind of lost you earlier when we were talking did you say you met tim wakefield or something um yeah i was uh playing in a celebrity mini golf tournament some years <laughs> ago and yeah. yeah tim wakefield was there uh and i went up to him and um i reminded him of 2003 yeah, and uh, he really appreciated that a lot. He was a super nice guy, even though I told him I, I led with I'm a Yankees fan. We had a great conversation, took a really nice photo together. Super cool guy, and a guy that you know, Todd. I'm a huge baseball fan. Yeah, I grew up with the Negro brothers, Phil and Joe Negro, and right. there's not a lot of dudes that throw the knuckleball. And even though he was a Red Sox for the majority of his career, I was a big Tim Wakefield fan. I I love anybody who can throw a knuckleball in a major league baseball game it seems so weird because it's like how can these professional guys not hit this yeah there aren't many that throw it <laughs> you think more people would because yeah. and it's funny you know again being a big baseball fan and stuff i was a catcher growing up and i'll tell you right now trying to the best thing i ever heard was uh joe garagiola who was a, a catcher for the St. Louis yeah. Cardinals a million years ago, he said it's uh, like trying to eat spaghetti with a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> I was like that. Like, that's a, that's a tough one. So uh, I don't know why more guys don't do it. But it's yeah, so sad. Uh, you know, I understand why people were upset with Kurt Schilling. Right. Of all the boneheaded, idiotic, mean-spirited things that Kurt Schilling mm. has done in the last 20 years, mentioning yeah. something like that. You know, I, I actually had a friend who passed away last summer and uh, a friend of a mutual friend of ours drove this dude to the hospital. And mm. the doctor told him before he left, you know, my friend didn't have any family. He told, they told the friend, they're like, it's, this is bad. Like he yeah. should start looking to make arrangements. And oh so God. our mutual friend reached out to me and a couple other people and were like, listen, he's not doing well. He's in the hospital. And so I immediately sent him a text, which wouldn't have been out of the ordinary. And his reaction was anger. He was like, how dare he tell everybody my business? And it's like, oh my God. the doctors think you might die in a week. Uh, yeah. he, he just wants to make sure you're not going to die alone. He didn't speak to, he ended up living for about two months. Yeah, And he didn't speak to either of us or the third gal who had also reached out. He totally shut us off, and then he died. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that's when I was thinking of Tim Wakefield. That's what I'm thinking. That's going to be scary if you have your wits about you and you're just in hospice and you know what's happening. Like, oh. I, I, yeah. I need to get hit by a bus or something. Yeah, that you, 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 yeah, right. I don't want a long lingering. I know it's kind of coming any day now. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'd rather have an anvil safe fall on my head. Yeah, just, you'd rather oh. have, which we'll get into. You'd rather have like an Owen Hart moment or something. Oh, <laughs> my That's terrible. My yeah. neighbor put it the best about Kurt Schilling. He's like, oh, he he just literally can't help himself. 
Yeah. There's something wrong with him. Um, yeah, listen, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, too, I think being a professional athlete, Todd, I think yeah. that, you know, if you're already a bit of a of a, a, a bit of a sociopathic mm. personality right. and you're a big star and you know what he did to the state of Rhode Island, uh, yeah. how he built them out of, you know, a hundred million dollars. Um, this guy's very privileged. Yeah. He's not used to hearing no. And I think when you're a very successful professional athlete, that that kind of happens. And it's yeah. super unfair. And I think it's only made Kurt Schilling worse. Throw in the politics. Mm. And, it, you know, listen, Kurt Schilling's passionate about his politics. He believes and feels the things that he believes in, like I believe the things that I believe in. I I I, I don't hold that against the guy, you know, and yeah. I don't judge his baseball career on his broadcasting career or the fact that he is an all-time asshole. I don't I can look at the baseball player separate from everything else, but the guy is a horrible human being who lives for himself. Yeah. Now, when he talked about Tim Wakefield's cancer, the next breath cuz I listened to the podcast, he was like, "When I had cancer." And like he is just Oh yeah. Yeah, he's Make it all about yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's, and that's what it is. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's funny, Todd. I, I have a lot of friends in the, in the entertainment business. And as you could imagine, my, my, my feed was flooded with people who took photos with Tim Wakefield. And it's the, Oh, I met this guy once. I know Tim Wakefield's dead and we're sad about that, but you know, forget me. Just think yeah. about me today. I met that yeah. guy. It's, this is a real trying time for me. I didn't post my picture because this a, it's about Tim Wakefield dying. It's not about the fact that I met him once. Like it yeah. didn't hit me any harder than it hit anybody else. And right. so I'm not trying to steal this guy's moment in death. I think that's sad and pathetic. And the people that did it, who I know we're going to watch this today or hear yeah. this tomorrow or other, uh, I'm talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> You're an asshole. Yeah. Joe, Tim Wakefield wasn't even making it about himself. He was right. Like <laughs> right. Like respected. Listen, here's the thing, you know, yeah. I don't want to get into this, but there's a lot of talk about this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing. Yeah. And it's like, look, if you guys are going to put it out there, people are going to talk about it. If you're going to keep it quiet on the down low when people do, then people are wrong to do that. But when you yeah. put stuff out there, Tim Wakefield wanted privacy. So don't make mm -hmm. it a big public the event afterwards. That's yeah. You're not respecting the dude's wishes. And to me, something as simple as a death, you know, it's like, don't, yeah. don't, take advantage of somebody's death to like promote yourself on social media. It's wrong with you. Yeah. You know, I've had the pleasure Todd of meeting many, many professional athletes in my business. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's fun for me and it means something to me. I don't do it. So I can hey, Todd, look at this. It's not what I'm doing it for. I'm doing because yeah. it's cool. And it's something I'll always remember to, to, you know, look, if, if, if it was the dude's birthday, you got put in the Hall of Fame, I would post, hey, I know that guy. Yeah. Uh, but someone's death, like, that's disgusting yeah. and low. Well, and you know what else? I mean, how many people even listen to the Kurt Schilling baseball show? Then all of a sudden it was like in the paper. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're not doing any good yourself. Why are you bringing it more to light? All these places. My wife mm. constantly watches videos of Donald Trump. Mm. or stuff that they're putting out right-wing media stuff and she watches it and she shows and they're so dumb i hate them and i'm like do you realize that by watching it you're helping them to spread it 
So I don't know why you would aid and abet your enemy. And that's ultimately what you're doing when you're watching the enemy stuff. And that's what they want you to do. Falling people are like, Joe Biden doesn't have fans. Well, no, we don't look at this guy as like some kind of a cult hero. That's a weird, we don't worship the guy. We're objective. Like he's an idiot. Um, I guess. Do you see the latest poll that came out? 77% of America thinks Joe Biden is too old and they're concerned about him having his faculties. 77%. He is 80 years old. Trump is 77 four times indicted twice impeached and has also shown signs of he doesn't sometimes seem to know what he's where he is or what he's talking about yeah they're both old about 40 percent of people are concerned about trump yeah and it's about 80 percent are, are concerned about biden it's like dude these guys are both old and fucked up what do right. you even like what Again, it's the same thing months ago, Todd. The people that were pissed about uh, the uh, when they found the documents in Joe Biden's garage, the mm-hmm. classified info. Like, where were you uh, three months ago when Mar-a-Lago happened? Right. It's only like... If you're later. right, if you can't... Like, look, I can tell you both guys are old. I think both guys make terrible presidents. And yeah. I think both guys should have been prosecuted for the classified documents. Yeah, right. You can't just, you can't just handpick this guy I don't like, so... Um, I do want to ask you a political question before we get into that. The one thing I, I think I always think that Kurt Schilling is right on is that I think it's okay to own like Nazi memorabilia. It doesn't make you a Nazi. He owns all World War. He, like, he likes to collect that stuff. What do you think of that? Because you see all like the people yelling at him, calling him a Nazi. I, I don't think it has anything to do with it. I two nights ago mm-hmm. was at a gun club a buddy of mine owns this uh auction business that sells guns and they were a bunch of old nazi the nazi revolvers you know the ones i'm talking about yeah oh my god they weren't for sale i i mean i might have bought one just i thought it was cool i'm certainly not a nazi um uh, listen i think if you're building a shrine to hitler in your house that's a little different to being a collector so i mean context matters here right (laughs) yeah and the one political thing i want to ask you joe is because i do think you're fair i see all those people like uh what's that guy the brooklyn defiant just disagrees with everything and um what's that girl's name jojo whatever yeah jojo from jers yeah now we talked about the kyle rittenhouse like you agreed that he probably shouldn't have been there but he's there and you're getting your head kicked in yeah, shoot now, somebody. <laughs> yeah, there's one thing that I, 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 you have to agree with me on this. Please don't tell me you think that guy thought the fire alarm would open the door. Oh boy. I uh, look at, I mean, if you're <laughs> the stupidest person in the world and you don't know how doors work, okay, <laughs> it's acceptable. If you're an elected official and you don't know that. Boy, we're right. in more trouble than we thought. Yeah, right. That's a scary thought. Is this how you do it? No. Well, the reason I'm asking you is because I went on to Twitter not even knowing that whole thing. And I saw, like, the first thing. I don't even know why she pops up in my feed. I see, like, JoJo from Jersey that says, like, I believe him. And I'm like, oh, boy, what is this? And I read it. I'm like, well, of course, you believe every possible thing that goes that way. And vice versa. All the Republicans don't believe it. But now listen, to be fair, 
the senator from New Jersey, uh, Melendez, is indicted for a second time by the FBI for bribery charges. And the Democrats are calling on him like they did the first time to step down. Yeah. I mean, right. Like you have to call the garbage out and he doesn't want to do it. And he's pointing to the Republican uh, Mm -hmm. Santos from New York. Like, why? Why would I step down? These guys are doing whatever. We don't want to get into that. And so uh, this is a little on the Republicans. Yeah. If the fact Santos is still there is the reason why why you have this this partisan hackery where it's like, no, your guy, but not my guy. And it doesn't work that way. This is America. Mm-hmm. And we we as people, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, got to like be honest with yourself. You can't have criminals in your party. You can't have a criminal leading your ticket. That's problematic. Yeah. It, it's it's just problematic. We got to start holding our own accountable uh, and, and, and stop always pointing at the other guy. I, that gets nothing accomplished. Oh, I know. It's always like, oh, could you imagine if this was Biden? Or could you imagine if this was Trump? The other side would would attack it because that's just what they do. Yeah. 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 It's it's a little out of control. Yeah, I'm really it's... looking forward to next year. That's going to be a, a fun year with all the election stuff. <laughs> looking forward <laughs> well, I, to that. This might, this might be one of the years I've watched because even some person, someone was like, oh, there's no way Biden's going to run. I'm like, you're kind of like running out of time. It's, it's coming up fast. Oh, they could kill him off whenever they need to. Yeah. You know, whenever they need to pull the plug, they'll do it. I, I mean, is there a chance just like a wild card is going to pop in that we don't know about? Uh, Todd, I'm going to tell you right now, this is this is between you and I and everyone that, that's going to listen to this. <laughs> there is it, look, the, the numbers are, are really bad for Joe Biden right now. So approval rating is about 40%. And as I mentioned, double the amount of people are concerned about his age and his faculties. And those same people, about half of that group, isn't worried about Trump. The other big problem is, I just read this about 10 minutes before we started, Donald Trump is leading with independence by about 10 percentage points in all the polling. And that's what that's ultimately what decides the election. It's not the Democrats and the Republicans because they blindly vote for the idiot that is presented to them. It's the independents. And in the last election, Joe Biden won those folks by 11 points and about 38 percent of women are, I think, a 38 percentage point victory with independent women. And so those numbers have flipped right now. And that is catastrophic to the point where um even if Joe Biden were to win the popular vote by about 2 million, he would still lose the electoral college. So the Democrats have to do something. And if they're, if they're Todd, if they're paying it all attention to the polls, the polls want them to get rid of Joe Biden, plain and simple, something will happen. Maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know if you know, the dog's been biting everybody at the white house major. They just kicked the dog out of the white house. Let the dog bite Joe Biden on the neck. You know what I mean? Falls down the stairs, falls off a bike, whatever. Uh, punctures a lung and he's out and Buttigieg is in and, and or Gavin Newsom and you got a shot. Yeah. Now, this is what I don't understand. Schools kind of like are on the liberal side. So how come all these 17, 18 year old kids don't get to vote and they all new people coming in that are voting Democrat and all the Republicans are dying off? Is that a thing? Or- yes. Oh, okay. Yes, and, and, and I'll tell you right now, look, I, I, I warned going into 2020 that if Republicans didn't do something about all the school shootings, 
that all those 15 and 16 year old kids surviving those shootings in two years time, we're all going to be a voting age. And they all see, and you could blame liberal media, blame whatever you want on this, but the perception of kids is that Republicans don't care about kids being killed in schools because they're more concerned about gun rights. Maybe you heard me say that. Now you're super angry. I'm telling you what the perception is. And you're looking at roughly 80% of these new uh, of age voters going Democrat. And yes, as you as you pointed out, Republicans are generally older. Uh, our senior citizens are made up of more uh, uh, conservatives than, than liberals, and they are dying off. And COVID hasn't helped either. COVID's still taking out conservatives at a two-to-one clip over liberals. Really? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, the worst places are still rural uh, Republican areas where people don't get vaccinated and they don't have good medical care. Most of them don't have medical insurance. And so you get COVID and you die. And it's a very, you know, it's ridiculous that it's happening, but it is. And so that that's where things are at. And I don't, I mean, is the Democrat strategy to, you know, let's say 20 years from now, we'll have it, we'll have it in the bank. Sure. Maybe, uh, but that's not helping them today. And it's not helping them when you're talking about a young progressive party to have an 80 year old white man that you can't move off of. It's the wrong message. Like, well, this guy's entitled to run again. You know, he's his old white guy. That's not the message you guys give on a daily basis. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, it should be, I don't know, uh, a young black Hispanic woman. Uh, gay, no doubt should be next up. Probably if you're, if you're, you know, you want to play the identity politics. Yeah. And they love that. But it's Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, and it's like, ooh, that's not as it's not real progressive, guys. <laughs> that's not the progressive we're looking for. So it's funny because I mean, it's the most obvious thing. Like a six-year-old kid could know that two eight-year-old people are not the best fit, and how come we can't figure that out? Oh, again, it's shocking. I mean, if you're the Democrats, you you have to look at these polls and be like, people are seriously concerned. And I think the hope is two things. Number one, Donald Trump ends up in jail. Um, boy, it would be hard to lose if Donald Trump's in prison when that's happening. So uh, and the other thing is, is either one of those two guys, if Donald Trump died right now or Joe Biden passed away tomorrow, you wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Right, right. Exactly. You know, so. There's I, I, I hate to say this, but I think there's people in both parties who literally go to bed at night and pray that their guy passes away. Peacefully. Trump's never dying. Trump's not dying. Trump is so full of chemicals and preservatives from McDonald's that you're right. He probably will never <laughs> die. Welcome, Morks. It's just Joe and I. Jedi's not here. 
Joe, we got to get her a couple of Powerball tickets or something. She's, man, Boy, she's going through a rough patch. Yeah, talk about someone who just can't catch a break. And you know what? If you listen to this program on a on a regular basis, I make fun of Jedi a lot. Yeah. Uh, mostly because I think Jedi believes most of the stuff that happens here. Most of the most of the theory. She's at least the most open minded to this. Uh, and I feel like by most episodes, she's like, yeah, I could see the Earth being flat. Right. And and we sort of move on. I love Jedi to death. Uh, I really do. She's just one of my favorite people on the planet. And uh, I know you feel the same way. And and I'm so sorry uh, that you're going through more yeah. terrible stuff. Uh, but know that that our thoughts are with you. Yeah. She never complains about anything, but sometimes we're talking about how unlucky she's been lately. And then the show ends. I think I told you last week, Joe, she sends me a picture of her tire, flat tire. I'm like, <sighs> even something like that is a major pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we had to kind of call an audible this week. And we definitely want to talk about if wrestling, we know wrestling is, we shouldn't say fake. It's more scripted. Maybe some right. things about wrestling. And I don't know how much you're into wrestling now, Joe, but growing up, wrestling was as big as like the NBA to me. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, I was into wrestling before I got into the NBA, as a matter right. of fact. And and I think I was watching wrestling probably just before I even got into football. Yeah, so right, I think wrestling right. was probably the second. No, maybe the third, because I, I watched boxing a lot as a kid, baseball and boxing. And then wrestling was literally the third thing. And I remember in in the in the mid to late 80s when there were, you know, uh, the 2020 thing when uh, uh, somebody asked, oh, I forget which, which maybe Mr. Perfect or one of those guys, if it was fake and he like slapped the shit out of the guy. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, he's not. It's, again, right. When we say fake, it's like, you know, look, I just watched a guy uh, jump off a balcony onto a guy on a table and he missed and he landed on the cement floor um and did a lot of damage and this isn't wwe or aew this is a smaller circuit northeast wrestling yikes uh you know the yeah. the things that these guys do is very real those are real chairs now obviously they're bracing for impact and you're not swinging that thing at me full speed todd because you would kill me yeah but you're still hitting me in the back or the head with it my arm up or not, the impact is the same, right? I know you're going to suplex me, but you still have to lift me, and I still have to fall with you and fall right so neither one of us gets hurt and so that the whole thing looks legit. So it's, yeah. it's again, I like the idea of it's scripted. We get right. that, right? But fake? Fake's not the right word. No, that's not the right 100%. Yeah, it's now everything they do is to kind of minimize damage. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt, but they know how to do it with minimizing the damage. Right. Well, and think about, too, you know, uh, God, uh, when I, when I first started watching wrestling, Sergeant Slaughter, uh, the, the American hero that he was, uh, he used to uh, in his taped wrist, he would have a razor blade. And as soon as you would take Sergeant Slaughter's head and you would bump his head into the turnbuckles, he would reach up, right? Like, oh, it hurts. But what he was actually doing was pulling this razor blade out 
slicing it across his forehead, and then blood gushing out. I mean, talk about us. Like, again, not fake. Yeah. Real. You know? Did, was it self-imposed? Yes. Did yeah. it happen because of the turnbuckle? No. But I just need a little bit of a slice on my forehead, Todd. Now you smack my head on that turnbuckle again, and there's blood flying everywhere. I remember one time. I could. I, I remember. I remember so many matches. I remember Hogan fighting uh, Sergeant Slaughter, and Hogan's walking. They announce me walks out, and he has a bandaid in his head before the match starts. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. Yeah, <laughs> right? a lot of blood. Clearly they, right, you, I've seen so many matches, especially from yeah. back in the day where guys came in and had, and already had tape on. I, I almost have to wonder if Hulk Hogan early in his career didn't start wearing uh, the headband for this. Oh, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So blo- I wonder if, if they made a change after AIDS and stuff, because I'm, I'm guessing they had to have. Oh, well, I mean, I kind of feel like that really coincided with uh, about that time frame where you stop seeing um, literally. I mean, there used to be blood in almost every match. Yeah, right. And that and that sort of slowed down. And I look, here's part of it. And, and I think, you know, it's funny. We bitch about identity politics. But when you look at wrestling. And you look where the WWF turned WWE exploded, Todd. It was based on nationality and race and nationalism, right? Um, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov in the early 80s. I mean, America and Iran, I mean, uh, USSR and Iran, like that yeah. was, right? Um Chief J. Strongbow is an Italian. He's not a Native American. He just looked Native American. And it was like, oh, you'll be the hero to the Native Americans. Vince McMahon promoted black wrestlers. Junkyard Dog being a, a prominent wrestler. Coco Beware being another guy back in the early. Um, uh, who was the, uh, the black tag team? Uh, totally drawing a blank. But uh, uh, I think one of them was uh, the, Rock, the Rock's dad. Rocky Johnson's... Uh, uh, was was his father uh, was teamed up with Tony Atlas, and because again Vince McMahon was smart, he's like black people will like wrestling if there's black wrestlers they can look up to and relate to, and he basically did that with every demographic, and it was brilliant. I interviewed Tito Santana two years ago. That's not his real name, and he is not yeah. from Guadalajara, Mexico. He's from Texas. He's an American citizen, born and raised. And he's a hero in Mexico to Mexicans. Again, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <I> fake. <laughs> yeah, I believe Nikolai Volkov. Nikolai Volkov was from Washington. And if Nikolai Volkov, the Iron Sheik, won, that would hurt you as much as if like the Celtics lost to the Lakers. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was a shot to America too. It was like personal, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, like George Bush said, "You're either with us or you're with the terrorists." Uh, and I think, you know, again, in the eighties, like uh, Nikolai Volkov was like the ultimate bad guy, you know, and if you think of it, big John stud was like supposed to be Hulk Hogan's main rival. And it really it was more like the, the iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov just because th- those were our natural enemies at the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? Totally crazy. 
Who? Uh, so my favorite wrestlers of all time, and even in the last ten years or so, the death of a celebrity that kind of hit me the hardest was Piper. I, I loved Roddy Piper. He was so good. Again, you know what? Yeah. Kind of a pre. I mean, he used to host uh, Piper's Pit. Yeah. Did that interview segment I'll never forget when he had Jimmy Superfly Snuka on and he cracked a coconut over his head uh, or a pineapple or whatever it was. It was one yeah. of the best moments uh, I'd ever seen. But Rowdy Piper sort of took the personality game. What what Stone Cold and The Rock did around the 2000s and into the early part of this decade is literally what Rowdy Piper was doing. Mm-hmm. Rowdy Piper wasn't a good wrestler. Nobody really enjoyed watching Rowdy Piper wrestle, but you wanted to hear that guy talk. Right. It was and, beautiful. And, I mean, as much as you might not like him, Vince McMahon is a genius for all these. Oh, I think he's and, an absolute genius. Yeah. He, look again, people hate identity politics and I understand that, but you can't ignore that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, um, couple of years ago, I was I was telling some people CNN had like, you know, they everything's breaking news on CNN. And it was like a new report shows only two percent of teachers in America are black. Like that's breaking news. Yeah, Everything's breaking news. Right. And I thought, no, this this isn't breaking news. This is barely a news story like at all. But, you know, listen, again, if you're a black kid and you're in a school and there's no black people of authority there. You know what I mean? You're that's that's you're you're basically telling a, a black kid like, no, there's no upper management for you here. Uh, that's not how this works. You feel isolated, you know, so so having some representation, I don't believe in quotas, Todd. You know, I think you should hire the best person for any given job. Right. OK, I'm I'm all for that. But at some point and this is where affirmative action, I thought was beneficial is when you get to the lower rungs, say you're hiring 100 people, and the first 90, you're just picking off these are the top 90 people. Now you got 10 more picks, 10 more hires you're going to do. You can you can factor race in at this point, okay? Mm-hmm. You're looking at, like, the lower tier of your candidates. Right. Um, if it's between you, Todd, the other, the black person you're up against would also have your same qualifications. They're as qualified as you are. Right. They get the tip because they're black, because the other 90 people, they are all already white. And so the idea was like, just come on, you know, probably if you're a white person doing the hiring, be easy to just grab the, the next 10 coolest white people you saw. And what affirmative action is saying is like, come on. You know, don't just pick your guys, uh, pick, pick some of the other ones. And it adds to the diversity. And again, yeah. it's good for an environment and it's good to have a little bit of diversity in, in your, I don't want to force it, but I think it's a good thing to have. And again, somebody like Vince McMahon saw people identify, right? Like there was no black superheroes for a really long time, right? You're like, you don't love Superman. And they're like, no, I have a hard time identifying with a guy who's a journalist during the day and a superhero at night. Right. Uh, I mean, Vince McMahon even gave slick a job, a a black manager. Remember slick. Yeah. 
<laughs> again, Vince McMahon, yeah. and and I would bet his politics are are I would assume pretty pretty to the right. His wife ran here in Connecticut uh, for a Senate seat uh, as a Republican, so I, I'm sure that's where their political views lie. But again, this guy was smart enough to understand that by diversifying and that by highlighting the different cultures. I mean, think about the Kamala, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that guy was from Africa? The Ugandan giant. The Ugandan giant. Do you think he was like, uh, like he literally came from King Kong Island yeah, right. to the WWE? Or was that a black guy from like Wichita who was yeah. fat? And you're like, dude, if we put this mask on you to grass skirt, you're African. Oh, yeah. okay. Sure. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Uh, it, it's you're playing a character. Part of wrestling is you are playing a character. It's so funny thinking of the 80s and 90s, how things you could never, ever get away with now. And at the top of the list has to be, remember they made Adrian Adonis gay and people were afraid to go near him? Adorable yes. Adrian. Yes. Like that was only 30 years ago. Very reflective of the time. Right. right? I mean, it was like Vince McMahon was sort of addressing society's ales on this program with these different characters i again there's a reason the wwf blew up like it did right they did a you know and again if you look at football compared to baseball todd football's done a great job of they promote players right there's a reason travis kelsey is in the news uh yeah. Why does anybody know who Travis Kelsey is? Well, Travis Kelsey's on a very successful football team and he plays with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and now you notice the uh, Kelsey's cutting in on all the commercials with, with Mahomes. Um, the NFL has always done a great job of promoting Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Jerry Rice. They put out these lists of the, the 50 greatest players of all time. And it's a mix of some of the older guys and a lot of the newer guys. You know, the more recent guys. Baseball's always done a terrible job. They promote the teams. They don't promote the players. And that's the reason why football does like twice the business of baseball in America, despite the fact that baseball plays for like six months of the year. Yeah. Uh, they're active in football's a, a much smaller window. But again, in the offseason, what dominates? The player news. Right. It, it the getting ready for the draft. Like there's none of that hype in baseball. And so, again, it's about pushing the guys. That's that's where people are going to relate to the guys or gals, uh, if right. that may be. And, and again, in when it came to wrestling, what made WCW not blow up like the WWF blew up? And I again, you look at Hulkamania. I mean, that was the greatest thing that ever happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. I mean, it, when you think about, you know, him him being with Mr. T and Cindy Lauper, somehow Lou Albano uh, jumped in on all that. Yeah. Um, it, it was a cultural phenomenon in the United States. Uh, again, you had Mr. T, who had a very popular show, was in the Rocky movies as as uh, as uh, Clubber Lang, <laughs> right? Uh, and so it, it was a movement. It really was. And Vince McMahon was smart enough to loop, hey, let's get Cindy Lauper into this, right? Remember Wendy Rector? She yeah. was the, the female champion at the time. They were yeah. trying to make her 
like at a Hulk Hogan level for women. Right. And it, it didn't quite pan out, but they looped Cindy Lauper in and Mr. T and God. I mean, you know, these guys were on SNL. Right. They just I mean, they could have WrestleMania, which is going on, what, 50 years or whatever it is now. Uh, and, and all dreamt out of the idea of like, if you promote these people, you really make them bigger than life personalities. The wrestling is secondary anyway. That's why I'm not worried about the fact that it's scripted because it's that good. So before Wendy Richter, they had what was it the the fabulous Moolah? The fabulous Moolah, and that was a, 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 a Wendy Richter beat the fabulous Moolah. And imagine you know they were like, hey, listen, fabulous Moolah, you've been doing this for a long time. You you're 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 the you're like the patron saint of female wrestlers. This bitch got to beat you though, right? That's the best <laughs> thing you could do for wrestling right now is she's going to beat you in a big match. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. great, and she did it, of course. And, and and again, um, that's what you needed. But what if it didn't happen? You set women's wrestling back 20 years? Of course it's got to be scripted. Of, of course you got to know the outcomes of these things. And it's funny. You know, if you go to like a house show that's not televised, you're basically seeing what's going to happen on, on the TV show in a couple of days. They're going to basically <laughs> run you the same show, yeah. just not on TV. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, I have a trivia question for you, Joe. I feel like wrestling kind of changed and got rid of all like the technical wrestlers. Who did Iron Sheik beat to win the title? He was like more like a technical wrestler. Like he was like a not like the show. Like he would be like he knew all the moves. He I think he had a title for like eight days. And then the Iron Sheik got him in the camel clutch. It was Bob Backlund. Oh, Bob Backlund. Yes. <laughs> Another dude that I've I've had a chance to hang out with, Bob Backlund. I oh, actually, really? I walked up to Bob Backlund the mm. first time I met him. And I slapped him across his chest with a backhand. And he loved it. Oh, he really? absolutely loved that I walked up to him. And that was, I didn't even say hello. I just literally came up and slapped him in the chest. I was like, Bob Backlund. Wait, did, did you know you were meeting him or you just randomly saw him? Uh, we were doing an event together. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I didn't just, yeah, we were at an event together and uh, I was like hosting the thing. And so uh, <laughs> that's, he knew I was the host. He, we just, yeah. had, we hadn't met at that point, but uh, right. you know, it, it was obvious to everybody in terms I was hosting it. And that, that was literally how I sort of introduced him to me into the crowd was with a, a slap across his chest. That's his move. That's hilarious. Yeah. You know? Now, Joe, they say a wrestling match can ha take a toll on you the same amount as like a small car accident, like every fight. Yeah. That a hundred percent makes sense. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, again, I would say in any given match, I mean, even let's say the match goes five minutes. How many times are you getting tossed and landing on your back? Right. Oh, I know. I know. I would I would need one or two flips. Uh, and I could tell you my body tomorrow will feel like I was in a small wreck. Right. And I, I can't imagine what's again some of the stuff these guys are doing is nuts. I know, like when you said Piper's pit and stuff, wrestling to me was more about that stuff than the actual matches. You had Mr. Wonderful that was awesome. Um the million dollar man, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, dude, that guy again, he was almost sort of uh, inspired by Donald Trump 
people were fascinated with Donald Trump, the billionaire playboy. And then this million dollar man character comes up. I always felt like that guy. And, and think about, you remember who his, his bodyguard was his personal Virgil, Virgil, just a one named black guy uh, who didn't talk. Uh, (laughs) Just his job was to beat people up. Uh, and, And interesting. And then he was the one, uh, that brought the undertaker, Mm-hmm. Which again, you know, sort of the Vince McMahon introduces like the supernatural with this great backstory. And oh, by the way, he's got a creep brother named Kane. Uh, it's like, dude, that's never going to fly. People aren't going to be into that. This guy's like an undertaker. And then they used to do the robe <laughs> and the chanting. Think about how many people loved it. Yeah. Like people totally bought. And the, and the, they would do the, the pyrotechnics and the, I mean, we all knew it was fake by then. We were just playing along, but it was so good and just so well done. That's why it was successful. At what point in your life did you finally give in to like, okay, this was fake? Because I, I hung on to that for a while. Like, no, no, this is real. I would say probably if you said to me 15 years ago, wrestling was fake, I would still get pissy <laughs> and try to explain to you why it's not. Um, and, and part of it, Todd was I, the idea that I would admit to having been deceived mm-hmm. for so long, I'd have to admit that you know, well, for a long time, I did think this was all real. And now I know it's not because I'm an idiot. And, and, you know, when it comes to politics, stuff like that, sports, we hate to admit when we're wrong about something. Uh, so I think you, you, you spend some years kind of in the closet, like, yeah, I know this, I know it's fake, but I love it anyway. And then it gets to a point where I'm like, oh, listen, I'm just into this because look, uh, I love the talking part. I've always said, I think wrestling is gay. It's a very gay centric sport. Uh, I've never been a wrestler. I've never personally been into wrestling. Um, you know, rolling around with another dude on the floor. It's not my thing. So, uh, and, and watching some of the technical wrestlers where it is a lot of rolling around, you know, guys like Chris Benoit uh, love putting people in moves. And like, you know, I, I, nah, I don't need all that. But the acting part of it and all the character development and all the smack talking, like in the, in the interviews and like, that's what I was into. The Chris Benoit was that move on, on his uh, family. Uh, I only, you know, it's funny. I only brought his name up <laughs> because he was a very technical wrestler. Yeah. As soon as I brought that name up, I yeah. regretted it because right. obviously, Man. Uh, and look, CTE. Oh yeah is a consequence of what these guys are doing and what professional football players and to an extent hockey players are doing. And so again, you know, is it fake? Well, no, the injuries are very, very real from doing this. And right. And, and you, you've had some things like that happen. And then there's the whole steroid thing, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, a lot of these guys use steroids and I think a lot of them probably still do. The guys that are exceptionally ripped, that's fake. That is right. 100% synthetic. You can't do that. No. Uh, there's There would be no way. So you put yourself yeah. through that toll as well. There's a lot of heart problems. There's a lot of drug problems. 
uh, obviously, you know, you, you, you get on painkillers to deal with all your various injuries. And so that's a very real thing dealing with addiction. And they've lost a lot of wrestlers uh, to, to things like addiction. I love to see how much these wrestlers get paid. So they said it's over a billion dollar industry. And obviously you have the top tier guys that make millions, but I know in the eighties and stuff, some guys had to quit the WWE because they couldn't afford to do it. Cause they were getting paid four or $500 a fight. Then they'd have to pay for their own way to these things. So I just feel like there's people that, you know, like, I mean, I saw the iron Sheik starting go fund me before he died. Those mm-hmm. guys couldn't have got paid. Well, I feel like it's the top few. Well, yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, right. It's like these guys have to go through the 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 pain and suffering, you know, and then and then Hogan hits it big and he's making a ton of money. And like most of the guys still aren't. And, you know, and then and then the next generation rolls in and Stone Cold and the Rock are making all the money. And you've got, you know, a few more guys that are that are probably getting paid, but still the bulk of these guys uh, are on the lower rung and they're trying to figure out. And this is to me, this is where you end up with an Owen Hart situation, right? right? Owen Hart's brother was was a, a a more revered wrestler, right? Okay, and was a more popular wrestler. And so Owen found himself constantly working on gimmicks to try to get himself more airtime, to get himself more popular, and that's what led to him being right. lowered down into the ring. It was just something to stand out because he wasn't, he, he wasn't in that upper tier. And so a lot of the times when you see guys jumping off of ladders or jumping off of cages or balconies, it's not Hulk Hogan or the rock doing that, right? Mm-hmm. They don't need to. Uh, it's generally the guys on, on the middle to lower rungs that, that have to risk their health and their lives just to get noticed. It's the blue blazer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I, I just think of some stuff. Like, I remember going to a steel cage match, and Jimmy Snuka jumped off of the top of the cage. I'm like, no matter what you're doing, that has to hurt you and the guy you're landing Yeah. On. Well, do you remember the steel cage match with Mick Foley and The Undertaker? Well, that was about the time that I didn't care as much. Oh, like, right that was the right. turn- yeah, uh, it, literally, they fell through it. Uh, oh, I've seen that. I've seen oh, that. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Um, you know, if you're ever in a fight with Mick Foley, uh, again, that guy's like, dude, just uh, hit me over the head with a trash can. And you're like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Just do it. <laughs> Whatever weird thing I can. I mean, think about Mick Foley. He played like 10 different characters over the years, just constantly reinventing a character and like, do you guys like this one? I have a sock puppet. No. All right. Now I'm this. Uh, and, and you just g- kind of go through until you figure it out. It's a tough business. But yeah. fake is not. It's right. Like fake just isn't the word for no, this. No, no. I looked up. Um, I was just looking at Eddie Guerrero's uh, Wikipedia. He died when he was 39. But even someone like him, who was a great wrestler, he had like 10 names. I mean, right. you can only imagine how many names these big guys had to go oh, through. Sure. Well, it's funny. I mean, I was watching um I was watching some old video a couple days ago of Stone Cold Steve Austin before he was Stone Cold. Uh he was Steve Williams and he had long blonde hair. And you're like, "Oh, that is 
not the guy that I know. Yeah. Weird to see. But again, he had to go through progressions until he found a character that hit. Uh, and 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 again, a beer drinking, swearing, redneck. I mean, Vince hit again. It's yeah. like, what's about 60% of my audience? I know. We'll come right. up with a beer drinking redneck. They'll love him. Of course they do. Of course they love that guy. And, and I think, yeah, I know. I know. I think we have a clip of right after Owen Hart died. Like, I might have been like 20 minutes after. Here at uh, in Kansas City, uh, tragedy befell the World Wrestling Federation and all of us. Owen Hart was uh, set to make an entrance from the ceiling, and uh, he fell from the ceiling. And I had the unfortunate responsibility let everyone know that Owen Hart has died uh now Joe that was like a crazy lawsuit and you mentioned Connecticut earlier I didn't realize they lived in Connecticut or from Connecticut they uh Owen Hart's wife tried to file a lawsuit and then Vince McMahon like that situation someone dies just give her what she wants in my opinion Vince McMahon sued her back because she filed the claim from St. Louis where this happened. And uh-huh. in in the rules, I mean, they have tons of lawyers. You had to had to have it in Connecticut because that's where WWE headquarters is. So they had a big thing back and forth, and she ended up getting $18 million. Now, you know, if you want to get into a conspiracy here, by the way, with Owen Hart, the Montreal Screwjob which was when uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, Owen's brother, was going to be leaving WWF for the WCW. And nobody told Brett Hart, but the plan was for Shawn Michaels to, in Canada, beat Brett the Hitman Hart. And it was a fast count, and he rolled them up in a small package, and Brett Hart was pissed because that was not in the cards that he was going to lose the title. And so there was a lot of animosity the following year, year and a half. And then May 23rd of 1999. So again, about a year and a half later, uh, as his brother was being lowered into the, into a WWF ring. Yeah. This tragedy occurs. And there's always been people who have suggested that this was some retaliation for Bret Hart. Yeah, that's insane. Actually, you know what they said? They said that Bret Hart submitted. If you watch it, it was just it was all a thing. Vince McMahon's like, ring the bell, ring the bell. And that's actually one thing. I'm actually a little bit on Vince McMahon's side on that because it, it, this is scripted. The last time I checked, Vince McMahon is the boss. Right. And I understand you're leaving the next day for your WCW, but I don't understand the fight back, the pushback. What are you just going to say? No, I'm not going to lose. I don't really get that. Right. Also, you're not taking my belt with you when you leave. Yeah, so exactly. you have exactly. to lose this again. I just mentioned the fabulous Moolah and all she had done for the for that for that franchise as the best woman wrestler at the time. It was like, hey, listen, we need to really establish Wendy Rector. And that only happens if she beats you. Right. Of course. Of course, Vince. Yeah, we got to do that. Makes sense. Now, did you see Bret Hart? He like spit on him after the fight. And- yeah. 
He actually went into the locker room and punched him in the face also. Yeah, he said, I'm taking a shower. If you're here when I come out, you're getting knocked out. And he knocked him out. And you know what's funny is uh, Brett Michaels knew it was going to happen, but Vince McMahon said, I'm taking the fall. Nobody says they know anything. And they said after um, Brett Michaels was crying, like in the locker room, he just so upset about the whole thing. And it's so funny because it's acting. And Brett Hart has said, I knew that he knew. And he yeah. knew I knew he done fucked up. And that's why he was crying. And everybody backstage felt terrible. Right. Um, but again, this is a conspiracy theory podcast. So yeah. I figured I would throw that one out there a little bit. I, no. I've always been a little because listen, uh, you know, the the McMahons are a rich, powerful family here. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not accusing. But, right, I know you, um, you could believe it a little oh bit. Yeah, totally. Uh, now, Vince McMahon, have you seen him recently? He's he's getting old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although still wheeling and dealing, still wheeling and dealing. The, think of how many celebrities have somehow competed in the WWE. I mean, Donald Trump, like you said, Mister T. Like, what's he doing there? Anyone that was big on TV. They had some type of stint in WWF in one yeah. way or another. Well, and it's it's funny because, you know, like Ronda Rousey, who is a legit UFC fighter and was was one of the greatest on the planet, is now uh, a, a big WWE personality. And I'd like to see more of that. You know, there's a lot of great fighters out there that I think could easily transition into like the world of scripted wrestling. Uh, great characters and personalities. I mean, he's got like an endless supply. And again, I mean, a lot of celebrities like wrestling and right. A chance to, you want to come to WrestleMania, uh, you know, like that's uh, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want an opportunity like that. Vince McMahon has always been very smart about yeah. the, the way they push and promote that when the WCW uh, basically collapsed, he bought it and like, you know, took in all the good ones and eventually just cut loose people from both companies uh, yeah. that, that didn't need to be there. I mean, just a, a genius and an amazing business model. And again, mostly built on the idea of like identity. Um, It was, it was uh, ahead of its time. Again, when you look at a major company like that on television and they're promoting minorities at a time where that really wasn't happening and nobody was thinking about that, Vince McMahon was very much ahead of his time. Misplayed the steroids thing, and when they realized wrestling was fake, misplayed that. I think if he could do it over again, I think he could turn that into um, he could have turned that into something more positive. No, Joe, what would you do if you're in the WWE and every week they're telling you you're you're fighting this guy, you're fighting this guy, and Vince McMahon says to you, okay, this week you're going to lose and your opponent is Jake the Snake Roberts. Would you be like, I'm out? Uh, Does the snake bite me? (laughs) Because I know that's happened a whole bunch of times. Um, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Devenomized. Devenomized. I think it was the Macho Man was supposed to get bit, and he said to Jake the Snake, he's like, yeah. He's like, let him bite you first. <laughs> and then in well, the actual match, uh, the thing bit and really like started the uh to to clamp down on the macho man, uh, who was like, I'm never I'd never be in a ring with Jake the Snake or the Snake again. 
Oh my God, Damien. Yeah, I mean, because you, you can't really, you yeah. can't control a snake. Yeah, it, it wouldn't let go of the Macho Man. I mean, there are so many things. I mean, it was kind of like no holds bar. I don't, I don't even think you could do something like that now. It, it, it had to be, it has to be tamed down, right? I don't watch now. Yeah. Oh, it's you know, it's funny. It's it, it to me, at least what I see, it seems like it's it's a lot more about the wrestling and and yeah. and I see it looks like less of the character development. Um, and and again, I, I that's why I've stopped paying as much attention to it because I don't want to just watch a bunch. I, I don't want to watch a thirty minute wrestling match. I yeah, don't. I want to see twenty minutes of shit talking. A uh, couple of interviews and then a couple minutes of someone getting, you know, power bombed. That's it. Can you can you play the the clip of the middle aged man crying? <laughs> yes. Next question, Jeff. Where are you? Right there. Yeah. Um, I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for all you've done to your bodies. <laughs> it's still real to me. Damn it! <laughs> I mean. Thank you. Easy, Thank you, guys. You're awesome. Thank you so much, Mr. Funk, for saying what needed to be said. I don't want to see another one of these. Well, thank you. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How embarrassed if that clip was your of you <laughs> out there on the internet. I know you're a sports fan. Let me ask you something. Um, do you cry? You ever cry after your team loses a game? loses yeah no if anything it would be wins for me the win okay you might yeah. feel emotional about a win and I, yeah. i'm the same way uh if um are you you're a patriots fan yeah i'm more i, I love the patriots they're my favorite team but i'm more of an nfl fan i okay. love the nfl all right so but again uh so let let's let's focus in on the on the patsies for just a minute yeah. um if if um if the patriots get beat up like they did last week with Dallas. Right. Are you are you in a lousy mood for the rest of Sunday? Are you unapproachable the rest of the day? I was actually thinking about this exact thing earlier. Once I had kids and stuff, that's out the window. I won't even be mad if they lose the Super Bowl. Uh, for a few minutes, obviously. Yeah. But it's different with the Patriots because we've been so desensitized to championships. Like when Charlie Hayes caught that ball, Joe – I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I could ever have that feeling again in the sport when the Yankees won that first 1996. title. There. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Again, right, you and I grew up a, a lifetime of, of frustration. Right. The late 70s happened when we were young, so didn't didn't experience it. But by the time we're of age, right, the yeah. Yankees are just woefully not good. And then 96 happens. Yeah, uh, overwhelmed with emotion. I, you know, look, I'm a Giants fan, New York mm -hmm. Giants fan. And the game Mars. ends. <laughs> Thank you. The game ends and I turn off the TV and I slam the remote into the couch yeah. and that's it. I, I, cause yeah. I have, I'm not on the team. I yeah. love the giants, but if the giant, like I, the giants suck this year, I can see that this is going to be a terrible season uh, as far as I'm concerned. And, and yeah, I don't, it doesn't affect my mood. No, not none whatsoever. I can't understand that. Now that said, you mentioned the Charlie Hayes moment. Do you remember in the 2001 World Series? Uh, game five. It's the last game in New York. Paul O'Neill was was set to retire, and he hadn't 
confirmed it, but everybody was like, he's out. This is yeah. it. And in the bottom or the, the top of the ninth inning with Arizona, no, uh, top of the eighth, uh, Yanks were winning that game. Uh, the fans started chanting from the beginning of the inning to the end, Paul O'Neill. <laughs> Can I tell you something right now? Yeah. It was in 2001. It was right after 9-11. To this day, Mm-hmm. When I see that clip, and Paul O'Neill was my favorite player of the '90s Yankees, I just he to me he was the guy that turned the corner on on championships. They were getting better. He came in and was like, "Let's start winning some stuff." Mm-hmm. Um, I ball my eyes out every time I see that clip. I mean, every time I see that clip, anything to do with Thurman Munson especially yeah. the day he died or the fact that they buried him in the morning. They wouldn't cancel the game. They had to show up that night. Bobby Mercer, his best friend, hits a home run to win the game. Come on, baby. I'm already getting misty right now talking about it, <laughs> you know? But it's yeah. the glorious things. Like, you know, look, the Yankees losing the 2001 World Series. I wasn't sad about that at all. I was like, that sucks, man. New York really could have used a win yeah. after 9-11. I thought a bit more from that standpoint, not of like, we didn't win a fourth one in a row. This sucks. Oh, don't talk to me. Um, I don't understand that reaction. But I also I, hate yeah. the fact, and, and you as a Patriots fan and a Yankees fan, I think can relate to this, this idea. You Now you win a championship, and it's like you don't even feel great about it. It's like, no. all right, how are we going to win another one? And it's like you just won it seven seconds ago. Right. Do you, you want to enjoy that for a couple of days? Well, we don't win a championship. It's a waste of a year. Like, get a grip on yourself. That is not true. Uh, because there's always going to be moments, even in a year, you don't win at all. Right. Paul O'Neill game five. That is that literally of all the stuff from the, 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 that dynasty, that's the moment that gets me as a fan was just, Hey, the, uh, us seeing that guy off, uh, and trying to give him the, the proper send off he deserved for what he brought to the table. Like that, I get this guy, cr- like, dude. Relax, relax. You're this yeah. what you guys do with your bodies. Like, okay, right. buddy, get a grip. <laughs> so, like, I don't get upset when my teams lose anymore, like at all. But I'll get pissed off if teams I hate win, like a freaking Notre Dame or Michigan. College. I like that. I, I, I also get, get. I'll also get a little more emotional if I've got money riding on something. Yeah, <laughs> that that's a new aspect of it yeah. as well. The thing that I can't watch, and I, I came and watched the stretch run, is the 73 Belmont with Secretariat, just because it's such greatness. It's kind of overwhelming. You know what I mean? When you see something yeah. like that. Yeah. Some, yeah. yeah. Some Larry Bird. I, I look, you know, it's, it's funny, too. My wife gives me grief all the time because uh, I a couple of years ago when and uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, his father passed away, the, the best lightweight in UFC history, and he fought his final match. And he, when you take your uh, gloves off in the ring and you lay him down to the ring, that's a sign that you're retiring. And here's this Russian Muslim retiring because his mom told him he can't fight without his dad in his corner anymore, so he gave it up. And he won his last match. And then even worse, the guy he fought in his last match was like, I won't tap. Like, uh, he could rip my arm off. And Khabib could have. Mm-hmm. And he knew the dude's parents were sitting in the front row. And he didn't want to, like, basically rip this guy's arm off uh, and, and destroy it. And so he switched the submission to a chokeout 
and put the guy to sleep. And afterwards, they talked about it. And he was like, yeah, like, I really like Justin Gaethje, the guy he fought. He's like, I knew his parents were there. He said he wouldn't tap. I didn't want to hurt him in front of his parents. Wow. Tears. Yeah. Tears. Uh, and there's a I, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I just saw this clip the other day. Max Holloway, uh, UFC uh, featherweight, was fighting a guy named Brian Ortega. He hit him with the most punches ever in a fight. Broke the dude's eye socket. Guy was out for 18 months after the fight. There's a, a moment in the fourth round of this fight, Todd, where and, and Max Holloway's great with the hands. Great boxer. He literally takes Brian Ortega's hands in the middle of this fight. And shows Brian Ortega the right way to block the combination he was throwing. And then does it again right. to reinforce it. And then starts throwing punches again. Like literally to teach this guy a good lesson. Because it was like that right. to me was the most amazing moment of sportsmanship I've ever seen. Again, I'm getting misty. Just like if I picture it in my head, I'll, I'll literally start balling right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff, that that's why I like sports. Or, Joe, like the clips where, like, someone breaks down the Olympics and someone goes back and helps them cross the finish line. Yes. The guy's dad that comes the out guy's of the crowd. Dad, yeah. Oh, come yeah. on. Like, that's yeah. – th- yeah. Th- those moments are, you know, that to me, that's what that's what sports is. And, and you can sort of take those moments. And those moments, that's the emotion of it. Like, eh, the championship's nice, but there's a bigger story. There's the human element. And that's really right. – to me, that's what makes all this worth watching and caring about. Right. Did you see the clip where it's like a high school championship game and the guy strikes out the batter and it's his best friend and he strikes yes. him out? And his team goes nuts and he goes over and and yeah, I mean, like that that's the stuff. Or the Little League World Series last year, uh kid got hit by a pitch and the pitcher was like, oh, I can't yeah. pitch anymore, I gotta go. I, I and the batter like walked off. I yeah. get emotional talking about it. It was like, hey, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah, that, that's like a movie ah, that, that happened. Right. It's like those those moments of humanity. That's what we all live for. That's what right. hits us the hardest. And that's the reason why. It's like, what would I do in that moment? Would I be yeah. that person? Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. It comes down to. You'd like to think that you could be. But we all sports we, are too competitive to do that. Yeah, we all we all like to think we would. Let's like we all like to think if we lived in slavery that we'd have been like an abolitionist, and you probably wouldn't have been. Right. You know, you would have just kind of gone along because that's you know. So again, that's we're always trying to put ourselves in like the what would we do moment, and you would yeah. probably have failed. Yeah. Uh, to be honest. Yeah. Um. So you see those moments, and though to me, that's why those are the moments that that stick out. Now, Joe, before we wrap up, there's a there's a kind of a famous clip where it's a high school wrestling match and it's like a regular, like strong high school kid. And they have him going up against someone with like cerebral palsy. So he kind of plays with them a little bit and then lets the guy win. And you go into the comments, 80 percent of them are like, what a great like moment. And then you still have the people that are like, what, everyone's going to get a participation award? Can't right. do that. Yeah, like, like I would have taken that guy and body slam. Like, no, no, you wouldn't have, you idiot. What's wrong with you, right? Have you seen some of the videos too, where it's like the make a wish kid at football and he starts yeah. running, and like the linebacker takes him out, like didn't get the memo. <laughs> I think most of us in that moment, we would take out the kid with the cerebral pulse. <laughs> we would. What do you think about things that are like 
say like um, someone plays for UConn Huskies female basketball. She's a point shy of breaking the record and she breaks her leg. And the next game they go out and they let her get a basket. Then the other team takes a basket too. I believe you're talking about Nikisha Sales. And I got to yes. tell you, as a as a non-UConn fan, but a person who lives in Connecticut, that was 100% cool by me. Oh, was it? She deserved it. Todd, she would have broken that record and and then some. Yeah. Like she would have blown that record out. I was all right with that. That that to me, that was a a deserving thing. Yeah. Look, I think if the other team goes along with something and everyone's like, yeah, let's do this, then I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's listen, it's a little fake. It's a little fake. Right. Yeah, but I think we can all suspend the disbelief for like a special moment. Right, 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 right. You know, yo, there, there are like certain things. There's a, there's a Facebook page. I think it's called "Try Not to Cry." The one thing that I can't watch are people that are colorblind and they get as a gift those glasses where they can see, because it's they've never seen color before or they've only seen like certain shades of color. And the second they put the glasses on, start looking around, seeing the trees and the sky. They start crying, and then everyone starts crying. And my friend Joe is colorblind, and I tell him all the time, I'm like, that, those videos are hard to watch. Because yeah. think of me, I'm like 50 years old. You've never seen colors. And when they put the glasses on, people have brought, like, balloons, colorful things to point out. But that, those videos are like, crazy. <laughs> yeah. I like a video that makes me tear up. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so I think that about does it. Um, I'm not going to have as good as a closing as Jedi does, but check us out on Clovercrest Media, Crimes, Conspiracies, Beyond on Facebook. And Joe, um, don't be fake. We have to keep it real. Yes! I love that.